Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's up, STS Nation, and welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime. Seems like we just met a few moments ago, and that's because we did. If you didn't catch it, we just had three working canine officers on these are four-legged police officers with their handlers it was a cool show we're going to bring him back on one of them is kind of famous uh his name is radar he is sergeant eamon o'reilly's dog out of the great state of oregon in washington county uh, so if you missed that check it out a quick programming note no live show tomorrow but we're gonna replay a very old episode at the height of tiger king we interviewed carol baskin and you'll find out why she called Carmela, my mom, right behind me, over here, over here, why she called her an endangered species, just like tigers. That's coming up tomorrow. Friday, we're doing a live show from CrimeCon. Just so you know, at CrimeCon, never been, no idea what to expect, but we're going to try to do a lot of lives over the weekend, not long, big shows, but we'll try to get, you know, Nancy Grace or uh, someone of that stature, uh, you know, a Tim Jansen type uh, to come speak to us, even though Tim Jansen is unable to make it now. But we're going to get some people and do some shorter live interviews from CrimeCon. And Saturday there, I'm actually part of a panel with Kerry Rawson uh, about BTK. So I'm looking forward to that with Laura Ingle, formerly like myself, of Fox News Channel. And uh, yeah, so that's that. By the way, the COE is getting on my case. So it is a lot of effort and a lot of work. If you guys can support us at either Patreon or as a YouTube member, we would greatly appreciate that. Anything helps. And uh, if you're unable to do that, if you can give us five stars on the audio side uh, with Apple, that helps us tremendously. Uh, right now, my mother's screaming, don't ask for anything. But uh, you don't ask, you don't get. And uh, we're putting a tremendous effort in to try to bring you the very best guests, as you're seeing right now, in all of true crime. And uh, I'm not going to buy the mahogany uh, backdrop like Tim Jansen has, because I'm not a high-profile criminal defense attorney. But maybe I'll get rid of this two-bit mural that I have uh, behind me of my beautiful mother and my dog, Mabel Rose. Uh, enough of that let's dive into the show as we dive back into the dan markell murder case for those who do not know the story it is very high profile dan markell was a harvard educated fsu law professor he went to harvard undergrad harvard law school uh, he was really at the top of his game becoming uh, one of the better known legal minds in the country when he was gunned down in his tallahassee driveway back in 2014 two hitmen and a go-between a female go-between there is amy zimmercheck's beautiful pup uh barking in the background can't go uh, through an scs without dog barking but we love dogs uh but anyway uh, back to Dan Markell, super sad story, gunned down in his Tallahassee driveway back in 2014. Two hitmen and a go-between, a woman named Ka Katie Magbanawa, have already been convicted of uh, the crime, and they are serving prison sentences. Um, Luis Rivera uh, copped the plea deal, so he's getting out earlier. The other two are going to be in there for life, as far as we can tell. And now, in just a couple of weeks, the ex-brother-in-law uh, of Dan Markell, Charlie Adelson, uh, he's about to go on trial in Tallahassee, which is where Tim Jansen is. The question is, could other Adelsons be indicted in the meantime? We've got some of the best minds on this. You're looking at uh, Carl Steinbeck uh, coming to us from his home office in Texas. He is a lieutenant 
colonel, retired, a nearly 30-year judge advocate for the U.S. Army Judge Advocate General Corps. He's also a combat veteran. Now he has his own private practice, uh, but he does still work with military members. He also hosts his own YouTube channel called Jury Trial Mentor, and he does that with his brother, John Steinbeck. Uh, they've done a lot of great work, and Carl has put together points about why uh, Wendy Adelson should be indicted. Tonight, we're going to talk a little more, bit more broadly about what's coming uh, down the pike as Angelo Dundee, he used to use that expression. He was Muhammad Ali's trainer. He'd always say, what's coming down the pike? So I love saying that. And um, we're going to look at that, what's going to happen, what's, what's coming down the road. And uh, then if we can, we're going to get to another 10 points or so as to why Carl thinks that Wendy Adelson, the ex-wife of Dan Markell, uh, should be indicted. Uh, joining us as well, of course, you know the uh, name and the face and the mahogany background by now. It is famed Tallahassee defense attorney R. Timothy Jansen in the flesh. He is a partner in the firm Jansen and Davis, which bears his name. He's done it all. He also spent five years as a federal prosecutor. No one knows the Tallahassee legal community better than Tim. And then you've got Amy Zimmercheck. Uh, whose bio I accidentally forgot to uh, bring over into this, but she is the owner of the AJZ law firm. This is how well I know her. She's uh, also representing cousin Eddie Smith in uh, the Alec Murdoch case. And there's a new, as she just pointed out, set of shows out about Alec Murdoch on Netflix and uh, Eddie's in that. So, uh, crazy cousin Eddie. We're going to see what he's like in this doc. But uh, Amy came to us through the Alec Murdoch trial and uh, is a proud Florida Gator. Uh, just talked about football with uh, Tim Jansen. And so she's taken an interest in the Dan Markell case. And we're going to get her on this as well. Asian American legal focus has been covering this like crazy. She says, looking forward to this, uh, obviously not because of me, but because of these guests, uh, Maui Swiss Swift says, Tim, Carl, and John, uh, someone's calling out, uh, in a good way, Judy Tang here of Asian American Legal Focus. Love your work. When is the next parody? She does parodies of the case. So uh, tune in to Asian American Legal Focus. Big shout out to Dean Maynard, uh, became a YouTube member. Um, so a lot going on. Uh, Tim Jansen uh, on this case. Uh, first things first, we're hearing that uh, they're going to release a witness list uh, as soon as this Friday. What do you who are you expecting to be on that list uh, ahead of this trial? Uh, I expect Katie Magbano ought to be a witness for the state, um, and I imagine she'll probably have maybe Luis Rivera. She'll have the FBI agent uh, Pat Sanford, and she'll have uh, the TPD officers, um, and clearly she'll have the agent who did the undercover at, uh, at the restaurant Dolce Vita. Um, and many of the same witnesses that were called, probably in Meg Bonawa. She'll have um, Charlie's ex-girlfriend who will testify about the money being stapled. Um, they'll probably have people called from the dental office showing again that Katie didn't have a job and there was no reason to pay her money. She didn't come in. Everything tilting towards why Charlie, why would Charlie be paying her this money and how he paid it, which would probably be your strongest evidence besides the videotape. And Tim, is this typical this far out as a month ahead of time? Is it typical both the state and the defense submit uh, witness lists? Is that correct? It is atypical. 
Um, it's not normal in cases that where you got to give your witness list a month ahead of time. Normally the judge likes them, you know, maybe a week or two weeks beforehand, but it's atypical a month. I, I don't recall in federal court, you got to give, they want you to give witnesses lists and they give you deadlines. Um, and that depends on the judge. Um, but a month ahead of time, that's pretty, that's, that's a little lot, that's longer than normal. And you see Harold, anything but dull. Do your guests think it could be possible that Katie McBanner was being transported? I saw this uh, news broken by none other than Fancy Fiction, who's been all over this fancy with an eye. And I stole some of her graphics. We're giving her credit, of course, but she posted some cool stuff today. So I wanted to share with our guests and get their feedback. But uh, Harold wants to know if it's possible that Katie McBanawa, she is the uh, go-between who was convicted, uh, who basically gave up immunity to now serve a life sentence for what reason no one really knows. Uh, can it potentially be used in rebuttal if Charlie is so dumb that he actually testifies? Um, Carl, if you care to answer this question, also uh, the witness list, what are you expecting from it? Oh, you got to unmute yourself, Carl. I'm sorry. Did I mute you there? Let me see. That's me. Oh, that's you. There you okay. go. Mary. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, I think that uh, Charlie's going to be wanting to testify. Normally that happens with high profile defendants, especially ones that come from a background of money. Uh, just like the Murdo case, I think he's going to want to testify. He doesn't seem like he has a lot of confidence right now in front of uh, the courtroom there. He seems very unsure of himself, seems very, um, very different um, in demeanor from, he from what he was earlier uh, after he was first arrested. So I think they're going to have to do a lot of prep work for him if he is going to testify. And um, But uh, whether he testifies or not, ultimately, that obviously is his choice with advice of counsel. So I, I think he will testify and, um, and just roll the dice that way. And I think he's going to get crushed on a cross-examination. And I think Katie's the real outlier here. And I think that's going to be really uh, another thing that they don't need to convict him, but it's going to be a great uh, asset to use the, uh, to get the insider workings of how this murder plan went down, how she got paid, how the communication went down. And I think another thing that a lot of people I see are interested in as well as myself is, uh, the fact that how, did, how was she able to afford three lawyers? She basically couldn't hold a stable job, bounce around between jobs, day and night jobs and raising two kids um, with Sigfredo, and how was she, how was she able to afford three lawyers? Um, supposedly, the uh, she had a mother that had some money and whatnot, but there was no other family members that I saw that were in the courtroom backing her up, like cheering her on, um, and and giving her any kind of support during the, the not just one but two trials. So for her to then also have um, no money to to fight an appeal, she was trying to get public defender. So so all of a sudden, all the money's dried up, and conveniently there was enough to get through two trials. But now that she's convicted, and all of a sudden the money dries up. So a lot of people are wondering where did that money come from. Uh, we saw that Georgia tried to find out, um, but the defense team for Katie resisted that. The judge had an in-camera inspection, ultimately uh, determined that there was not any Adelson money coming there. But as I've said before, that's pretty easy to set up an LLC and make up some kind of cover story if, if Katie was going to do that with, uh, with uh, Charlie leading the way. So I'm really interested to see if Katie's going to talk about the money aspect, because that would be a real damning aspect to uh, bring out against Charlie that him and uh, possibly other Adelsons funded her defense team, not just one, but two times. And then, of course, uh, there's going to be other witnesses that they're going to call a lot of the same ones, I, I would suspect, is what they had in the first two trials, 
And keep in mind, they went into a lot more details the first uh, from the first one to the second one. And I think they're going to go into even more details this go around. I think they're going to bring up a lot more details about Wendy's and possible involvement with this as well in the, in the planning aspect. So I think we're going to see a lot more, um, a lot more evidence that's uh, the same, but I think there's also going to be some different aspects as well. I suspect they're going to call not only Wendy, but I would be really surprised if they don't also don't call when uh, Wendy's mom, Donna and uh, possibly dad Harvey, because they were given uh, immunity to Wendy to testify, not just one, but two times. I think there could be a chance she's going to try to fight that again. And, and uh, I'm not going to say why. I think the, the legalities are around that, how she could get out of it. But I will just say that um, I think that they will do that again. Uh, we don't know who her lawyer is going to be. Maybe somebody else from the Laurel firm because John Laurel is tied up with uh, representing uh, President Trump. So I think that... Um, Whoever she has, I think they're uh, not going to be as, as uh, well um, vested in this case, perhaps, to uh, to fight this like they did previously when, when they went to the Court of Appeals to try to fight her from being deposed at a pretrial hearing so uh, or deposition, excuse me. So I think that uh, being also on, in the position to now call Donna and also Harvey to see what they had to say, because keep in mind, one of the things that was not asked on cross-examination, I was really shocked by it, was... Uh, um, Lacoste did not ask about anything about the conversations between any of the Adelsons. And um, what was also interesting is that uh, Tara Kawas had even objected to some of the nasty emails that Donna had sent to uh, Wendy. So I thought there was very a lot of peculiar uh, attorney behavior and why would you be doing this? Why are you trying to um, keep it uh, out of the public eye on who's uh, representing um who's funding the uh, representation of the attorneys. And um, so I, I think that it would have been very easy just for the defense team to to uh, tell the prosecution, hey, here's where the money's come. They could look at it. But of course, the in-camera inspection, there was no follow-up to uh, from the judge. And uh, so if it would have been handed over to the prosecution, obviously they would have done, done a deep dive and try to figure out if the, that representation judge was accurate. So there's just a lot of uh, bizarre twists and turns in this case. Um, it's odd that the uh, defense attorneys did not get uh, Katie to plead now after two separate trials. Now she's willing to come forward. And I do think that uh, a key thing to take away from this is I know um, Tim and, and uh, John Singer were of the opinion that she's got too much baggage. She can't testify. But I think that if she's got enough good information, what ha what I've seen happen before and what I've used before is if you got somebody with the baggage as a prosecutor, you just bring all the baggage out in the open in the beginning part of the questioning. Um, get Katie to admit that she's lied multiple times, multiple hours over oodles of questions and go over some of those in detail, but not too much detail. And then get right to the heart of the matter, which is how she was part of the planning and how she got paid and uh, was a middle person for this murder. And um, after that, then uh, I think the uh, the evidence will bear out that she definitely um, had motives to, uh, to uh, take part in this murder based on the uh, request of Charlie. And it looks like it was really a team effort. So I think there's going to be a lot more information on not just uh, Wendy that comes out, but the other Adelsons as well. So uh, this is, I would say, the most bizarre case I've ever seen in any murder case. And that's why I got uh, following on this back in January when uh, my brother John told me about it. So uh, it's, it's going to be quite an exciting case to follow. No nonsense. Carl Steinbeck dropping bombs one after the other just now. We'll have to circle back and get to them. But another question first, Carl, if you're actually perfect right now. Uh, there's a little weird. Your audio is good. Just a tiny glitch, but I'm not hearing it right now. So you're perfect. Um, 
Beth Boa. Hello from actually do me a favor, Carl. Just keep yourself muted unless uh if you don't mind. There we go. Um, Beth, hello from Denmark. I've really been waiting for this, and I'm so excited to hear what the very best guests have to say, followed by John Lucas, uh, who's saying hello from New Zealand. My question to you, Amy Zimmercheck, why do people in New Zealand and uh, Denmark, why are they interested in this case, in your opinion? Same deal with Alec Murdoch. Um, you had global interest. What is it? I mean, Carl Steinbeck says this is one of the most peculiar um, murder cases he's ever come across. But what is it, do you think, that is drawing this sort of attention? There's going to be a new dateline and a new 2020, by the way. Are there? Well, and, and I think that, that the media has so much to do with it because looking from the outside, for example, like Dan Markell, who would, be, would never have been someone that anyone – like would have known about, but he was a very good man. He was good at his job. He was well liked and he just had this normal life. And, and then these crazy things happen. And I think honestly, it's weird. It gives people some sort of, so some sort of thought that, you know, maybe life isn't always better on the, on, you know, greener on the other side of the grass or you know you have these people who have these seemingly perfect lives but the, the stuff that goes on in the background and and the things that that happen to them or to the people in their lives it sometimes doesn't even seem believable it it, it just doesn't um it doesn't make sense that the sad i guess the sad reality is, is that it's so normal to me um that sometimes i wonder where the fascination is but but it, it really is when you um, when you just hear about uh, different people's stories and, and, and kind of the twists and turns in their lives. I, I, I think it is. I think it is fascinating. Um, no other really word to describe it. Just and, so yeah, unusual. And it, for you, it's normal because it's your job. But um, same. <laughs> I just had uh, canines and their handlers on and they get called out to SWAT situations, which would be crazy for us, but normal to them always dangerous no matter what um john lucas who is uh watching from new zealand but right back to you um amy uh wendy sorry i just got a buzz in my ear wendy should be arrested and donna do you agree with this um do you feel at this point that there's enough that they should be looked at in terms of an indictment here well it's so first of all yes i i believe that they um you know if they're going to I believe that they should be um, arrested. I, you know, I, I think I was reading a while back about how the, you know, they tried to, I think they tried to, the, the FBI tried to get Donna on tape um, once in a meeting trying to get her, um, you know, to try to, to snag her. So, I, you know, and I know, I mean, obviously I've worked Fed cases and state cases, um, and I know that the Feds like to be 110%. Um, but it, I, I think it'll be interesting to see kind of what falls, um, what information is either testified about or to during this trial. Um, I know in South Carolina and also in, in the federal system, they have, but they South Carolina has adopted it, where if you provide substantial assistance in a case, even you've af even after you've been convicted, then you can get less time. And so I'm wondering if now that Katie has been convicted, 
um, you know, if, if that's the angle that they're going to pursue, because I do think that she probably has a lot more information on the unarrested Edelson mem- family members. There's there's tons of ground to cover. Um, panicked a little bit and told uh, Carl Steinbeck, let's let's get another ten points as to why Wendy should be indicted, ready, ready uh, for tonight's show. We'll see if we even get there. But um, the man, uh, the de facto mayor of Tallahassee is Tim Jansen. He knows everyone there. He's got the nice pocket square. Everyone loves him. Uh, we're going to actually be up in Tallahassee for the uh, opening of the trial, not jury selection. Uh, but me and Steve Cohen, my right-hand man, otherwise known as Meve Moen, will be traveling up there. And uh, Meve will be making his arrangements 19 minutes before we leave, uh, as he did for CrimeCon. By the way, somebody said you're going to Comic-Con. It is CrimeCon, although I probably do belong at Comic-Con. Uh, but this is CrimeCon. Uh, Tim Jansen, this trial is set to uh, begin October 23rd. Uh, and there's been a change of uh, judges. Uh, what do we know about that? This would now be the third judge. How does that affect the case, uh, if at all, uh, moving forward? Well, every judge has a, dem- a different aspect and effect on a, on a trial. Um, judge Everett is completely different than Judge Wheeler. Um, Tell us know. about Judge Everett. Uh, what do we know? He's the new judge. He's a new judge. He's on the criminal docket. He's the administrative criminal law judge for Tallahassee. The chief judge is now in Franklin County. Been on the I think about eight years on the bench. He's been a felony judge for a while. He's handled big cases. A um, little different. Judge Wheeler got moved over to family law, which is why I previously told you they're not going to change the trial date because a family law judge changing his docket to fit a criminal docket. They're usually in conflict. Um, and it could be problematic, and I think that's one of the reasons why the change in the judgeship was because of his his docket. Um, there's a lot of things that Carl mentioned that I'd like to touch on. Please the attorney, do. The attorney fees. Now, Judge Hankinson inquired about the attorney's fees, where Mag Bonawa's lawyers were getting paid. I've been told that Mag Bonawa tried to hire someone else in South Florida that they couldn't hire that person and, and Quas and them were in the same building and they, that lawyer referred them to them to represent him. Now, remember not all, all lawyers take big fees to take high profile cases. A lot of lawyers will do high profile cases for free just to get publicity. Okay. And if you're a young lawyer and you have a case nationwide TV, it's a perfect case to get your name out there and that's probably part of the reasons why Judge Hankinson approved the Nebbia and the, them representing him. They probably either took it at a reduced fee or said they did it for free. Now, I don't know that for sure, but I, I know that Hankinson would have been able to determine where the funds were coming from. And they would have had to give Judge Hankinson, who was a former federal prosecutor with me, strict how it came, show me where it came from. That's a lot harder to do. But if you're doing it at a reduced fee or you're doing it for publicity or quasi pro bono, the judge cannot do anything about that. They cannot defeat the person's Sixth Amendment right to have the lawyer of their choice. Now, look at their representation. Did they get? Did they try to cut a deal for her? No, they went to trial. They went to trial twice. And we understand what? 
she was either offered immunity or something really lesser, okay? Lawyers have control over their clients. You can usually lead your client to where they should be unless you have a, a different motive. So if they want to get publicity, you wouldn't plead the case, right? You'd go to trial. Um, I don't know if any of that's true, but I do know that um, they were younger lawyers. And when she was doing her proffer, they weren't even there to show up. They didn't show up. She was there by herself. Now, I can tell you this, that Mag Bonawa does not have a deal. She is not getting a sentence reduction. She's being subpoenaed. She's got her case on appeal. I do not believe she's getting any deal whatsoever, and I, I know that for a fact. She's not getting any deal. I think she's going to give limited testimony. I don't think she's going to add any more than what the prosecution has. I think it's going to be a hard uh, circumstantial evidence case. I think that Charlie wants to testify. He's like Jack Nicholson in the movie. He wants to testify. Um, his lawyer told me he was preparing to go with him or without him on the stand, which every lawyer should do. Um, but I think he won't be able to not take the stand. He has to, he has to fill in the holes and the gaps or give some kind of a conflict in that tape recording at Dolce Vita. He has to. He's going to have to explain some things. Now, he's setting himself up for cross-examination from Georgia, and she'll be ready. But I don't think he's going to want to spend the rest of his life without him trying to get on the stand and convince the jury that he's innocent. And we saw that uh, in the Alec Murdoch trial. Uh, sometimes that hubris uh, overtakes one. This is a funny comment from Ned Smith. Amy has a very complicated last name. I thought mine was bad. Uh, Smith Zimmercheck. Um, Carl, would you like to respond to what you just heard uh, laid out by Tim Jansen, basically uh, saying that there's no deal for Katie, that it's going to be limited testimony. He doesn't think she's going to add any more than we've already heard. Do you beg to differ? Well, none of us know for sure, but I just think that from my experience, the way that Charlie had the Dolce Vita conversation with her. She was so joined to the hip with him, and he so freely talked about the issue of the bump in front of her. And he was talking about she's going to have to maybe get the, the guy that did the bump killed. I mean, this, those, those are pretty freewheeling conversations that Charlie had with her. So I think that part of the, the deal was that Charlie had to sell her to, to plead not guilty because if she went down... Um, you know, then that's going to be a, a motive to have her rat out the rest of the Adelsons. And so their motive, I believe, uh, was pretty obvious, um, was to keep her quiet, make her go to trial, make her deny everything. And even if you have to blame some of the Adelsons at trial, it's worth it if you get an acquittal. So even when she had the jury come back 11 of one to convict, that one juror that held out um, was somebody, as I understand that somebody that was uh, sort of like a... Uh, um, person that was an anti-government type of person from what I understand. So she shouldn't have been there to begin with um, is what I believe is uh, the uh, right thing that should have been done at that time. So they had a cleaner pick of the jury the second go around. And from that, I mean, Tim Unahaw goes, when you have 11-1 to convict, you just got one holdout and they're sort of a, an outlier. 
you're not going to get a chance to have another outlier second go around very good. And the government's going to perfect their case. And obviously they did a better job the second time. They went in more details to to show that uh, this money did not come from legitimate sources, but the uh, thousands of dollars that came from uh, to not just Katie, but also to uh, Sigfredo and also uh, Rivera, that the money was being spent. And so I think those things are going to be very, very helpful um, just to show the whole, just, just to show the whole scene and what was going on. And so I think she will have more details. I think maybe she's going to say things about what happened down at the beach there when, uh, she was there visiting with Wendy. So don't know what kind of details for sure she'll have about, um, the other Adelsons, but I, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if she does have some of those details. She may not have the most corroboration, but that's why I think that, uh, regardless of the fee that was hired, it's very expensive to try two cases. It takes basically, you know, that your whole life, if you're doing a murder case for that year, um, you don't really have a chance to do any other cases. So for them to do two cases um, back to back over what a span of nearly three years, when you include all the prep time, and whatnot, um, do they do it very cheap? Um, who knows? But I mean, it would have been very expensive also uh, being in a motel there during the trial time as well. So it had been very expensive just logistically, not even including a profit as attorneys and to have not just one, two, but three of them doing that. Um, I don't think it would have been that cheap as an attorney fee, even if they were trying to cut a break, as uh, Tim suspects, uh, just to get the publicity. But um, I still think the fact that she went, rolled the dice, even though she'd been, think about it, she'd been in confinement for like near up to six years at that point and not seeing her kids. And she was willing to roll the dice when the previous jury came back 11 to 1. I mean, that, that's about the most radical thing I, I can imagine. And for her to get basically get out of jail free, uh, couple years prior when when the first trial was coming around and for her to reject that that's that's just really i've never heard of such a bad outcome where you basically can get out of jail free maybe you have some minor conviction but you're going to be on uh probation or parole and it's not going to be a big deal you get to see your kids or so for her to roll the dice that way i think was just very it's one of the things that makes this case so so bizarre and, and extremely different from any other case i've seen where um, to have someone make such a bad decision like that. And she was the go-between between the hitmen and Charlie for sure. So why would she not uh, roll over? And it just makes a lot of people suspicious and think that she was being paid uh, not only um, at the time she was holding out in jail, but also being promised big rewards if she went to trial and got acquitted. So I, I think there is going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, twists and turns that uh, Katie brings to the table. And like I say, if she, if she comes forward and says the, uh, the truth after explaining why she lied, and if, if the reason for her lying was the fact that she, they promised I could see my kids, Charlie promised that I could see my kids, he set my kids up in private school, I was going to be taken care of for life, that's going to be very sympathetic to the jury. And so what happens is if a defense attorney is going to try to browbeat her with cross-examination on all the lies she testified to, so, I mean, you could, you could sit there and go all a day or two on all the lies she, she testified to and drag it out as a defense attorney. But what, from my experience, what happens is the jury, if they, uh, the prosecutor takes a sting out of it, the jury would actually hold that against the defense lawyer and, and think, be thinking, all right, we know she lied. Let's get to what her, her current um, testimony is that she's saying is the truth, and let's get on with her past lies. So they'd actually alienate the jury if they did that. So I think it would work, work out very good if she does have some of those uh, – those nugget details uh, against Charlie and other Adelsons to, to be a, a, a star witness of sorts. Carl, don't you think that a good defense lawyer will get to that jury and say, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the state's case is so weak that they had to bring this woman here who lied and perjured herself twice, who 
is convicted and got a life sentence, that their case is so weak, they're bringing her in here because they have no other evidence to convict my client. And his lawyer is going to spend the whole time making it a circus about Meg Bonawa. And, and he's hoping for that. When I spoke to him, he said, I hope they bring Katie in. And that's a mistake. And I don't think Georgia's going to make that. I think if Georgia puts her on, it's going to be on and off. On and off. What about what about the cross, though? Um, I mean, can they continue? Amy, you want to jump in there? Because um, obviously Tim and Carl have sort of differing views on this. I agree with Carl. The $64,000 question is why didn't she take a plea deal, Katie Magbanawa? Now she finds herself uh, in prison for life. Uh, but what about um, what Tim was just saying that they're going to, by the way, there's an order for transport for Katie Magbanawa, an official order to have her delivered uh, to Leon County uh, by October 9th. So they are bringing her there. Um, there was this whole issue of the proffer beforehand. But bottom line, um, do you think Tim is right that they just use her very sparingly? But but again, can't Daniel Rashbaum, the defense attorney on cross, just obliterate her? I mean, I mean, absolutely. I think she's a, she's a, a, I mean, like a daydream for, you know, any halfway decent uh, defense attorney. Um, I think, I mean, it also, you know, now knowing that her appeal is still pending and, 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 and I mean, and all of these things, it, it'll be interesting to see what they're actually able to get out of her and what, um, protect, you know, what constitutional protections she still asserts. Um, because in a way, you know, that could play into the defense's hands of, of, uh, I, I really do. I mean, I, I agree that I think that it could play into, you know, into the defense's hands to have just that whole third party, you know, I, I think it could be damaging. It, it, it may just be too dangerous to, to know what they're going to do. So um, my response to that is we all know defense lawyers. Okay. We know defense lawyers who used to be prosecutors and we know defense lawyers who have always been defense lawyers. And sometimes their personal views on cooperation sometimes spill over into their representation. So sometimes when it's not in their client's best interest, they lead their client to something that's not in their best interest, which will be a trial. And do sometimes lawyers roll the dice with their clients and go to trial and lose and the clients lose? Yes. You have to always make sure you do what's in the client's best interest. Sometimes it's going to trial. Sometimes it's cutting a deal. But some lawyers, and I, I know Amy knows this, they hate the government. They don't want to be seen as cooperating with the government, and they refuse to do it. And then the government doesn't trust those lawyers, so they don't usually give them deals. So I don't know how much that spills over into why Katie didn't take a deal but a lawyer has control over their client. Now there are exceptions, but for the most part, the lawyers should have control and do what's best for the client. Uh, she, is it Schaefer or Schaefer James? Love to see Amy Z on here for a case outside of South Carolina. Also love to hear of her success since working with her more than a decade ago. Is it Schaefer or Schaefer, Amy, since you worked with her? Do you know? Oh, you got to unmute. You have to unmute. Schaefer, yes. Sorry, I Schaefer. keep it muted just because, you know, the dogs get excited every once in a while. Yeah, no, no worries. We love dogs, dog friendly. Um, the other thing is, 
uh, Amy, right back to you. So uh, Judy wanted to get uh, more of Tim's perspective on on uh, the new judge in this case. Do you think it's a big deal that they're changing? Uh, there's going to be a, a new Your Honor up on uh, the bench. Um, it's so funny that that you asked that because I spent um, the morning here in South Carolina. We uh, elect judges differently than they do uh, pretty much everywhere else in the country. And so this morning, I'm on a, a very small committee of selected lawyers that get to interview potential judges. And um, so, you know, it's a lot of kind of the ideal judge and what you're looking for. And so ideally, ideally, a judge change shouldn't matter, right? Ideally, they should have no, you know, they should come in with their no preconceived um, notions about the case. I, I think it is one thing that I think is difficult is when there have been pretrial issues, you know, and then you have another lawyer or another judge come in and that really like, and it, it, that's a, that's been a huge issue as far as appeals go and, 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 and things like that. But, you know, one of the things that I do, and I know probably most good defense lawyers do is the reason that you have a lot of pretrial motions is to do a lot of judicial education, not just, you know, practice for the jury, but you want to do a, a lot of, of educating the court about why we're here, what are the issues, what to focus on. And so switching, a switching, you know, the, the, the referee for, for lack of a better term uh, in the middle of a, you know, or, you know, right before it, it starts, it, it, it could be problematic, but um, you know, it was interesting. I, I did, I saw it briefly because I mean, it's relatively, I think it just happened yesterday or today. Um, and I was interested to see that there was no real reason provided for the, for the switch. Um, I think maybe she's moving on to a different court, but I don't know. It just seems like there could have been, uh, there's clearly an issue. Um, but hopefully ideally under the, under the, you know, under the lens of, of how I would love to think things would be, you know, it, it, it shouldn't matter. All judges should be, you know, neutral um, and impartial and be able to make the right decisions. Mm. Um, Carl, to you, this is an interesting question from Linda Gregorini. Uh, significance. Is there a significance to the witness list order that we get? I think that's really a specific thing by the attorneys to do it that way, um, whether it's in the order of sequence that you're going to call them as witnesses, or you could have an attorney that wants to mix it up so the, the other opposing side doesn't know which order you're going to call them and keep them more off guard. So it's it's a personal call, unless there's maybe a local rule or something like that that Tim knows about, but um, it's uh, usually prosecutor's discretion and as well as defense attorney. So uh, they don't have to put the order in that they're going to call them, but just they have to make sure they put them on there unless unless they're a rebuttal witness. Hmm. Uh, Becky Ireland, blessed with two shows in one day. My back's not loving it. Hello again, STS Nate. My mother say stop whining. Uh, Joel and best guest. I so want Wendy and Donna arrested, charged and convicted. Dan's poor mother, by the way. Shout out to Ruth Markell. I made a note to say that earlier and then got sidetracked. I've been talking to Ruth Markell and uh, obviously she has to relive all this again. Uh, it's not easy. Uh, she's going to be doing a book signing, by the way, in Tallahassee. Uh, the name of her book is The Unveiling, an amazing book, which you can order on Amazon, The Unveiling. She's going to do a book signing October 25th while she's up there. Then we're going to meet up with her and we're going to do some live shows with her when we're there. But uh, Dan's poor mother has been through hell because of these people. Uh, Amy Zimmercheck, the her 
uh, Dan's father as well and Dan's sister. How tough is this, Amy, um, on the families, especially as we're approaching, you know, Judgment Day here for Charlie Adelson uh, coming up? How tough is it on the families that have to relive all this? Um, I, I, I can imagine it's very tough. I know one in a case that, that I just um, I just pled this week. Uh, one of the reasons, you know, that that we decided to plea, we got a, a really good plea offer. But also, you know, it really you, you can stand in front of the judge and, and say that when you're asking, you know, for a, a reduced sentence or, or, a you know, when there's a range and you're trying to get the lower range that, you know, look, they're accepting responsibility and not wanting to have to put the family through this. Um, I mean, I think, and, and the thing is, is I think it's just a whole range of emotions. It's not just, um, I think there's always that underlying sadness, but you, you, you see anger and, 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 and self doubt, like, why didn't I see this? What could I have warned him? Could I have done something differently? You know, and I, you know, and I know it's tough. Um, it, it's gotta be, it's gotta be tough on the families, um, you know, and that, and that's something that, um, you know, regardless of, of the, whatever our defense is, you know, I, I'm certainly mindful of that. Um, I think we need to be just as a society when we're presenting cases. Uh, good point. Uh, Becky Ireland, this is part of the comment. I so want Wendy and Donna arrested, charged, and convicted. That seems to be the consensus. Real quick, I love this comment. Who needs Netflix when you have SDS Nation? Always enjoy the show. Screw Netflix. Screw all the news channels. Watch STS. It's the only show that matters, and uh, everyone else can buzz off. Uh, Tim Jansen, there's this thirst out there, especially within the STS community, Um you know, they want justice done. They think that Wendy's behind this. They definitely think Don is behind this. They think even a lot of them that Harvey has plenty to do with it. Um, but there's a legal aspect. So how do people reconcile that who are not defense attorneys who want to see someone asked, is, is Wendy going to be indicted before Charlie's trial? Well, that would have to be within the next three or four weeks. It seems doubtful the way we're headed right now. But what do you say to the public, to STS Nation, who want this so badly um, and they have to deal with the legal side of things, which is a whole different ballgame? Well, you know, we get in here and we can talk. We don't know everything. We haven't interviewed the witnesses. Um, we don't know what Katie has said in private. And we all believe we that clearly um, she, Wendy, benefited the most, right? She benefited the most besides Donna from this killing. But that doesn't mean we have evidence to prove it. Uh, and Donna, she had every motive. She said some stupid things. Uh, she clearly showed she had the opportunity, but you still have to have evidence to come forward. I think they insulated Wendy enough that I don't think she's gonna be charged. I think that Donna is the closest one that can be charged because she was on the phone call, she was talking about this and that, and she approved the payments to Katie. So you have an action, an actual action she took to help pay Katie, even though she knew she was doing nothing. And she worked at the business. So I know everybody wants these people charged and people can charge people, but Georgia's not that kind of prosecutor. She's not gonna charge if she didn't have enough evidence to believe to convict them. Uh, unfortunately, I think unless something changes, I do not think Wendy or Donna will be charged. 
I certainly don't think they're going to be charged prior to Charlie's trial. Now, I don't think Charlie's going to flip on either one of them. And I think we're going to leave people scratching their head and wondering, does justice even work anymore? And I, I want to say this. Georgia is a career prosecutor. Sarah is a career prosecutor. If they had the evidence, they would bring forward and file charges. Same with Jack Campbell, the elected state official. They feel the pain that Ruth feels. They feel the pain the community feels. But that's not always enough to charge people. And I know people don't like what I'm saying, but I'm just trying to get you to understand the judicial system sometimes is not the best, but it's the best there is in the country in the world. Yeah. Carl, that's a uh, bitter pill for many to swallow. Do you agree with Tim? And by the way, uh, let's get to that first, but Asian American legal focus, uh, will Charlie look like a fool on the stand? We can get to that next. But what about this? Is this a bitter pill to swallow? Essentially, Tim is saying that at least right now, he doesn't think others are going to be uh, indicted despite the uh, list that we've created. for. Well, but one of the things that I don't have privy to is uh, some of the leaks of information that Tim has been given. And one of the leaks was that Katie was so disastrous that she would never be called as a witness. So I've thought all along that I really think it's odd that people inside the prosecution's office would be leaking stuff to a local defense attorney who's going on YouTube to talk about a case about details that not even the victim's family knows about. So I just didn't think that they were that unprofessional there in the state attorney's office. So I think they're just holding their cards close. Carl, I didn't up. think I didn't I didn't say anybody leaked me any information from the state attorney's office. Well, wherever they're from, there you said it, folks are telling you this or that that are in the know. So I just assumed it was the state attorney's office. But yeah, I'm not saying that at all. Not at all. Okay. Well, so I, I just think that the um, the fact that they're calling Katie as a witness, I, I think that shows a lot of. A lot of uh, speculation that she's uh, not going to be good enough to testify. I, I think I think there's a lot of going to be a lot of surprises, and I think that uh, folks that think there's uh, not going to be a prosecution of other Adelsons because election year is coming up for Jack Campbell. Um, that's what Tim said on the last show, and I just I, I thought about that, Tim, and I thought, you know what? That's the exact opposite reason why they should not be um, taking that stance that you think they will. Because what Jack Campbell's basically doing is saying that I'm not going to pursue justice. I'm, I'm more concerned with getting elected. I, I just don't see him being that political. So I think what, and the trial would take a year and a half to get to trial anyway. So if he charged um, the other Adelsons now, and then it goes to trial after the election, no matter the election outcome, I think I'd rather have the reputation of, you know what, no matter how tough it is to, to win the case, um, no matter how much evidence we have or don't have. If we know they did it and we know we can get a conviction by putting our best attorneys there, we're going after them because that's there's not, no doubt. There's so many people that know that's that. That's not right, Carl. A prosecutor that, uh, does not take cases that they do not believe they have evidence to prove. And if they did, they should not be a prosecutor. No, they do know they have enough evidence is what I'm saying, Tim. So everybody looks at this and says, yeah, why aren't they being charged? That's why the frustration is. That's why the frustration is why it took so long to get the Dolce Vita tape. I mean, keep in mind, it took him six years to get enhancement of a video that, uh, you know, there's experts all over the country that are able to do that. So why it I took him six years, I don't know. But I, it's just like, it's part of the part of the uh, public outrage of why things aren't being moved properly on this case. And uh, so I just believe that they will eventually uh, go down this Daisy Chan approach. Uh, that's going to be their charging strategy to build their confidence. They're going after Charlie next. And then based on what Charlie does, maybe he's going to flip on Wendy and cut a deal to not prosecute mom and dad, or there's going to be some other kind of a play uh, on the uh, 
on the uh, charging that way, I think. So it's just true. It's just too early to say, but I think for uh, politics to interject itself, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. And uh, I think that it's actually um, worse for his campaign if he doesn't charge Adelson's because he's going to have basically the uh, the uh, badge of dishonor saying, oh, I, I didn't want to take on the Adelson's because of my election. So I, I just don't think him doing that. I, I, I see him doing the right thing and charging um, Donna and Wendy here. Uh, right, right around the time of Charlie's uh, trial, and maybe he'll do one uh, initially, Donna first, and then Wendy later to see if there's other uh, folks that are going to roll over. But um, just to sit there and say that nobody else is going to be charged, we're just going to leave it as is. Um, I, I think it's, uh, I, I just think it's uh, not putting enough faith and confidence in uh, the, the attorney's office to do the right thing. Carl, it's Carl? not political. It's not my personal feelings. They asked me what I thought. Okay. It's not political whatsoever. Jack's not doing anything politically to get elected or not get elected. He's leaving it to his prosecutors. Do they feel they have enough to prosecute? And they'll make that decision. Okay, well. But but you're right. There's no reason they wouldn't have charged him to this point, right? Why haven't they been charged to this point? Why hasn't Donna been charged? Well, what took Charlie so long to be charged? There's overwhelming evidence against Charlie. So that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of weird stuff that's happened, but I believe that Jack Campbell is getting out of the the Meg's type mentality and moving forward, and he's going to do the right thing. We just got to be a little bit more patient for it. That's all I'm saying, Tim. Yeah, and I think think that may happen. That may happen. Yeah, and Carl's a man of uh, utter integrity, and uh, he wants the right thing to be done. I think the point that I'm making is that sometimes as much as you want the right thing to be done, sometimes it doesn't happen. I mean, we looked at the case of Alan Greenberg in Philadelphia, found dead in 2011 with 20 stab wounds, 10 to the back of her (laughs) neck and head, and that case has never even been investigated. Uh, That's a kind of a different apple altogether because there's a lot of corruption running up uh, the the line there. But, um, you know, you just never know what the – what the – circumstances uh kind of behind the curtain so uh carol mitchell from melbourne australia yes or no tim does tim think charlie adelson will be convicted and by the way someone in the chat is insisting i refer him as charles adelson not charlie adelson so maybe i will call him charles adelson um tim will charles adelson be convicted yes or no i want to see what testimony uh, Meg Bonawa brings to the case and see the cross-examination. Um, clearly, the jury selection is going to be important um, because no one's gonna, no one wants to let a killer get off. There's nobody in Tallahassee that has not heard about this case. The jurors are going to be on there. Some will want to get on there. Some are going to say things to stay on there. They might have a motive. So he certainly doesn't have the benefit of the doubt, I wouldn't think, although he should. Another problem with our system is defendants charged with murder. Jurors usually look at them like they did it. Um, so I don't know the answer to that. I don't think it's a slam dunk, but I think Georgia feels comfortable, and I think they have a pretty good case against him. Mm. Um, to the panel from Roxanne A., if Katie, this is to you, Amy, if Katie gave the proffer that the Adelsons were paying, this is hypothetical here because – she was in Tallahassee, but let's say she gave the proffer that the Adelsons were paying for her and Sigfredo Garcia's attorneys. Does that change anything? Can the attorneys be charged for anything? Uh, again, this is a hypothetical, but it's sort of an interesting one because uh, there could be some truth to it. 
Well, it, it, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, I think ethical laws, um, you know, have a small variance is, is state to state. But uh, I mean, I can tell you that, um, you know, when you enter into a contract um, with somebody for legal services, you know, I don't let's say, you know, a family, you know, I a client hires me, his family um, you know, brings me the money because he's in jail or whatnot. You know, I, 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 there's not typically, you know, a ton of, of information. I mean, you don't want to look, um, you don't want to look at, um, let's say that I was the defense and, you know, it was learned that, that the defendant was paying for a co-defendant's defense. Um, you know, obviously I'm going to try to not have that witness come out at all. Um I just think that um, with with all the ups and downs in this, I, I you know, I, I don't know what they're going to find out. But I mean, I think um, I, I think that's an unknown that could be the that is the biggest issue probably in this case. Hmm. Uh, Veronica Schneider, I got another one for Carl. Uh, Wendy said she changed the boys' names because she was scared, yet she posted an unblurred photo of Lincoln and his new middle name on Facebook publicly. Fancy has a screenshot that is fancy fiction. Uh, what do you make of that, Carl, uh, as a you know, point against Wendy Adelson? Yeah, it's it's this goes to show that was just uh, a just a made up story that they were afraid because obviously they knew um, Charlie had Katie and the hitmen do it. And they were all part of the planning from what it looks like. So why would they uh, be scared? So it's just some, a public uh, cover story for what they really did, which was just to exterminate any reference to Dan Markell and his family as much as they possibly can, which is one of the real aggravating things that the kids are being hurt to that extreme. Um, so it's just, it's just annihilation of anything Markel, and that's one of the really sick and disgusting things about the case. Uh, tornado artist uh, to Tim Jansen, uh, Katie McBonawa, this is interesting, a 360 here, 180, I should say. Uh, was she Is she being brought in for some sort of secret grand jury, potentially, having nothing necessarily to do with Charlie Adelson? I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> we don't know. Um, Amy Z is a brain trust here. Uh, the great um, Meve Moen, uh, my right-hand man, also sent us some uh, some questions here, which I'm going to get to uh, in just a moment. Um, this first one here uh, to Tim Jansen, who has been in these shoes. Meve wants to know, what are you expecting from uh, Rashbaum, the defense attorney, Daniel Rashbaum in this case? How do you expect him to approach this? He will be less um, combative than the previous lawyers. I think he's a lot more gentlemanly. I think he's going to make his points. He's got a good relationship with Georgia and Sarah. They seem to like him. They don't. They don't have that that animosity that they had with the other lawyers from Miami. Um, so I think he's going to try to come across as a, a nice guy, and that they're just making up this these charges. There's not enough to charge him. And, you know, it's sad that this person was killed, but they got the people who did it. Mm -hmm. Now, he didn't tell me that, but I'm assuming that's going to be his approach. Um, Black Widow says, great guest. We know that. We've got an amazing panel on here tonight, as per usual. Uh, Raul Thomas, uh, right back to you, Tim Jansen, on this one. We need a poll. 
will Wendy go for a trifecta with her testimony dress? Do you expect to see the same dress? You once famously said that an actress always wears the same dress to uh, every performance. Do you think she will? If she wears the same dress, there's something significantly wrong with her mentally and or she's just thumbing her finger at everybody. There's no other excuse. Nobody would wear that same dress again. Uh, this is straight off of Fancy's Instagram page. And if you don't follow Fancy on either YouTube uh, or Instagram, you should. At Fancy Fiction, you see it up there. Uh, this is uh, a quote. Well, now you're just embarrassing me. This is Wendy Adelson responding to a list of her accomplishments being read to her during the murder trial of her ex-husband and father of her sons. Um, Amy Zimmerchek. There's actually a shot that I think Fancy has. I mean, she was just speaking not long ago at Princeton University. Um, she seems a bit conniving. Um, the fact that she's given a platform at a school like Princeton University is mind-blowing to me. Um, if you were advising Wendy Adelson, uh, I, you know, ahead of this trial, what would you say to her in terms of uh, her demeanor, <laughs> how she acts, what she needs to do, et cetera, et cetera? I, I mean, what she needs to do is not be seen and not be heard. I mean, there's <laughs> that, that would be my my biggest advice to her because uh, you know, everything gets everything gets um, viewed differently, especially, you know, in a situation like this. I mean, his trials. A month away, um, you know, and I think every kind of behavior is going to be judged uh, one way or the other. And, and so just to not not even put yourself in that position is what I would advise her if she were my client. Uh, Chloe's mom, I think Donna and Charlie came up with a plan. I think this is what a lot of people think, by the way. Mm -hmm. And Wendy helped it along by giving Dan and kids uh, schedules. Carl, I'm kind of beating a dead horse right now, but I can I can feel your frustration, um, you know, in the back and forth with you and Tim, because you are a man of such integrity. Um, how frustrating and and I guess what level of injustice would it be if there is no indictment um, against Wendy or Donna or Harvey in this case? Well, um, I think that's really a, a sad commentary on uh, justice in Tallahassee, and um, I don't think that represents all of America. But there, is, there can be a lot of cases of injustice, like the Ellen Greenberg case you mentioned. That is uh, so bizarre that um, that they're they're saying calling it an obvious murder a suicide. So that is so so extremely upsetting to the family and whatnot. At least we've so far got a number of convictions, and they're going after the at least one of the family members that uh, was a key player in, in starting this this uh, murder plot. And if you stop to think about Katie, is whatever Katie has gone through in life and whatever struggle she had, I don't believe that she was the kind of person I'd go out and kill on her own. I, I think she was groomed and groomed very well of uh, the wonderful life she's going to have uh, if she helps get Dan Markell murdered. And so I think it just played on her... Um, opportunist mentality and eagle mentality and, and the fact that she's probably had a rough go of a lot of things in life and and here's a dentist and uh um a family of dentists and uh, another lawyer backing her up and telling her it's all going to work out just hold out fight everything you'll get acquitted and uh, we'll all be uh living it up when, when all this is behind us and i i think that's uh you know something that uh most of us would think how in the world could you be that foolish to think that this uh 
this crazy plan would even work and you won't get busted. But um, that that's the kind of uh, demanding kind of thinking that happened. And um, and she just uh, I, that's why I think she has a sympathetic story. And uh, I know how she got suckered and groomed by uh, Charlie specifically, mostly, but he, I'm sure he put all his family name and backing behind it as well. And so I, I think you could probably see her crying on the witness stand and talking about how she can't see her kids and all that kind of stuff. And and uh, this was all going to work out good. So I, I think that, um, you know, like I say, this, this is not this was never her plan that she hatched to go kill somebody. And it's also disappointing to me that, um, you know, more Adelsons weren't charged from the get go because I, I don't agree with the premise that you go after the hitman first on um, on the death penalty. And if you don't get the hitman, then the masterminds behind it. Um, you don't go for anything but life without parole. So I really think that all the, the main main folks that are really behind the uh, murder should be the ones facing the death penalty. So uh, the prosecution has already taken that off the table for any of the Adelsons. And I think that's a, a sad commentary on justice right there. So, um, but I do think that, uh, you know, if they, if they aren't charged, I think there's going to be um, maybe another attorney down the road that uh, becomes elected and uh, resurrects his case, which would then be sort of like a cold case of no one having um, basically what I, what I view as the guts to go after uh, the uh, other players of this case. So I do believe that um, um, eventually it will happen. It's just a matter of when. So I think we just got to not give up hope. And I think talking about it helps put uh, this out in the public attention. Obviously the Markells aren't there bumping into any of the prosecutors to remind them, Hey, Hey, you owe me some more justice. And so that's, uh, that's not something that they have to worry about looking over the shoulder. But, but I think now having 2020 and Dateline and all this national media attention coverage on it, you're probably going to have court TV down there uh, like never before. So all this attention is focused on what's going on in Tallahassee. Why can't they get this uh, Dennis family prosecuted? And uh, so it's, 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 not, it's not looking good. So I think the more, they, uh, the more they step up and do the right thing, the more that this will be in the hind view mirror. And uh, there's even been other cases. Uh, there was a case down there that um, was a few years after this one happened uh, involving, um, I believe it was a doctor. Tim, you may know as a doctor and um, um, the wife, uh, I believe she was from a foreign country. She was found dead in the pool. He was convicted. Yeah. And he was convicted. I mean, it was, they had a lot less evidence than they did on Wendy and Georgia took that to trial. And I saw the, uh, on YouTube, her, uh, talking on TV about how, you know, she was like, not really sure they had, um, you know, the, uh, case winnable at all. So, um, that one looked very, very much weaker compared to what they have against, uh, Donna and Wendy. So for them to go after that one and not this one, it's just, it's this, Every, every, the more you look at this case, the more you just scratch your head and go, what the heck is going on? Not only among, you know, the co-defendants, but also among the attorneys as well on both sides. And that's what really makes this one, I think, riveting. And, and Tim, that, what, Tim, what's what, what's the buzz in Tallahassee right now? I mean, it's still four weeks away, basically. But are people talking about it again? Um, are people asking how come the dentist family uh, isn't all being charged? Are people asking these questions or has it been so long that it's kind of fallen off the radar until until? STS gets there and another channel called Court TV and Law and Crime. But uh, until we get there, uh, has it fallen off the radar? I, I think it has kind of fallen off the radar. Um, there's been other cases up here. It's now football season. The Seminoles are a good football team again. The whole town is all, we're back. Everything's about Florida State football. Um, that seems to be the biggest tenor in town right now. Um, the legislature, 
there's a, a movement and there's a bill that's coming by the legislature. They're trying to um, coordinate state attorneys or, you know, and put them under the umbrella so that they won't have a rogue defense, a, a, a Democrat uh, state attorney. And they're going to put them under smaller, bigger areas so that one state attorney will cover a larger region. Um, so that's that's what most state attorneys are now worried about is are they going to lose their job because they will not be an elected state attorney in the jurisdiction now, in many jurisdictions, and some of them will lose their jobs. Well, by the way, I am urging everyone, STS Nation, uh, the district attorney in Philadelphia is Larry Krasner, and he is running for re-election. And since he's done nothing but kick the can down the road about Ellen Greenberg's very suspicious death, um, he shouldn't be re-elected. Uh, we're working to get a, bu- a billboard put up um, to exactly uh, make that that argument that he should not be elected if he doesn't take, um, you know, the the oath of his office seriously and try to find some justice, some modicum of justice for Ellen Greenberg's family. Uh, we need a, a pit bull prosecutor like a Carl Steinbeck to help us out uh, with that case as well. And I'm going to reach out to you, Carl, uh, to see what, if anything, you can help with that because her family, her parents, it was their only child. Uh, they are suffering. The evidence there is ridiculous. Uh, the statements from the city of Philadelphia have, you know, been beyond absurd uh, saying that there's not enough evidence and they wish the family well and how badly they feel for Alan Greenberg's family. But, but Carl makes a good point. Um, and so does Tim that uh, you have to get them where it hurts, which is politically and uh, threaten their jobs. So that's what I'm um, hoping STS nation helps with uh, at least with the Alan Greenberg case uh, at the district attorney of Philadelphia, a guy named Larry Krasner, uh, Ned Smith to you, Amy, uh, when the incriminating evidence is on tape, how can that be refuted? We've got two sets of audio and videotapes here with the Dolce Vita tapes and the now uh, uh, what are known as the Matsuri tapes from a sushi restaurant between Charlie and his father, Harvey. What about that? I mean, with Alec Murdoch, if it wasn't for that videotape of him with Buster, the dog, and, uh, you know, those comments that were made that basically nailed him, um, it might have gone a different way. I mean, so what about in this case? Do you think the video uh, at the end of the day will be the factor that gets Charlie Adelson convicted, Charles Adelson convicted? I, <clears throat> I tell you, it's, it's you know, when I first started um, trying cases, it was, you know, we all heard about the CSI effect and the, you know, DNA and fingerprints. And, and, and I've really seen a shift um, in the last, five years or so um, with, with this digital evidence. It's um, to me uh, almost expected now. Um, but I think if you have it, it's so, it's so, so hard to overcome it. Um, I was, you know, just re- I was watching the Netflix um, just cause I was getting so many comments and I wanted to see, I was there for when, when Eddie was filming his parts but I just I wanted to see how it was put together. And so I was just thinking about that today, how, um, you know, but for that kennel video, I mean, I really think that that's what 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 shifted. And, and I think that it's so hard to overcome. I, I do believe that there are it, it's a it's a heavy circumstantial case. But then you get those circumstances with the with the digital 
and forensic evidence. And yeah, I really think it does push push it over the edge. Um, Carl, back to you with Wendy Adelson on the stand um, from the state's perspective. Where do you start with her? And she's a lawyer, so she's uh, she's savvy um, and she's a little squirrely and squirmy. Um, how do you pin her down um, if you're the prosecutor? Well, I think that's um, that was one of the things that they intentionally were not trying to do. And maybe uh, John Laurel had some kind of like agreement ahead of time saying she will only answer questions that you submit ahead of time. And so give us a list and I'll strike off the ones that we're not going to agree to. And so maybe that was she was going off a list because a lot of a lot of the uh, time she was lying, um, a normal prosecutor would have treated her more of a hostile witness and, and done a um, more of a hostile approach and, and cross-examined her and exposed um, a lot of these lies she was saying that were uh, just so obvious and blatant lies. And so I, I don't think she came across good at all. I think she she did really bad in the initial police interview for five hours. And then each time she testified, I mean, it was just, it was just a hot mess for her. And uh, to think a lawyer could do that bad. But, you know, one, one of the things I argue is that the witness has all these lies is because they have uh, guilt and their consciousness of it. And they're trying to cover that up and bury it. And uh, that that's the reason why we know that uh, they're guilty on their side. So um, as to her, it obviously could be maybe guilt for uh, covering up of what her, uh, if she tries to say, I didn't know about it. And, and my, uh, that's something maybe my brother did, but I didn't know anything about it. Um, but then why would you lie over and over again and do all this deflection and, and just her, just her demeanor alone just shows that she just could not stand Dan Markell. So the question is, if she found out about it after the fact, why, why are you doing all this efforts and bending over backwards to help your brother get, try to get away with this instead of being loyal to your two sons who have uh, who are the biggest victims besides the Markell family um, of this murder? So it's just nothing about her demeanor and, and the way she came across was credible at all, and it looked very cold, calculating, and and, and uh, demeaning, deflecting, and, and all these kind of things that just just was uh, came across as uh, quite quite a disaster, a different version of a of a of a Katie McBanwa, I'd say so. Um, and she's going to, you know, when, when somebody goes up there again this time and, you know, got, you got all the cameras uh, and, and, and a lot of these national media covering you as well. I mean, she's under a lot of pressure. And I think just the pressure of what her mom's probably telling her is like, well, you know, what are you going to say against Charlie? You can't screw this up. And I, I, I just think the, uh, the uh, pressure cooker in all the minds of the Adelsons right now is just uh, at extreme, ultra, ultra extreme high level right now. So. Um, it's it's going to be a lot of fireworks, is my prediction. And they've got their uh, cases of Pepto-Bismol from Costco at the ready. Uh, Ryan B. here. Um, this is a good question, Tim, for you. Couldn't Charlie flip the narrative and paint himself as a pathetic figure, manipulated by his mom for the benefit of their daughter, followed by this comment. That's a great comment from Ryan B. Patricia Burns, Wendy and Charlie will sacrifice mommy in a heartbeat. Your thoughts, Tim Jansen. I don't think that's true. I don't think uh, if you saw how much they talked to each other, uh, Charlie was close to his mother. Uh, he was a mama's boy for sure. Every time she needed something, he would take care of it. He's very protective of his mother. I don't see him flipping. If he did, he probably would have done by now. He would have flipped. Um, his lawyer didn't lead me to believe there's any deal in the works and they're prepared to go to trial. Um, mm. So I don't, I don't think that. And I think Wendy was a terrible witness. I think uh, 
Carl's correct. She looked bad. She sounded bad. Um, she tried to be cute, um, tried to smile at, at the inappropriate times, giggle and laugh at inappropriate times. Um, and you're, you're right. She's talking about the father of her children, the children who will suffer and live with this horrendous event for the rest of their lives. Um, and she doesn't care. Um, she didn't, she hasn't proven anything since what happened that she's taking care of these children. She said she changed their names because of threats. Uh, I just don't buy that either. Mm. Uh, to you, I'm sorry, go ahead, Carl. Joel, I, I have one follow-up to that. And it's something that, um, um, that's been bugging me for a while and I've not brought it up before, but I think it's a legal issue of, of paramount importance that it could be an appellate issue too. And um, I, I know for me personally, and the kind of attorneys I've uh, discussed cases with in the past years um, of, of, of uh, different offices I've worked in that do defense work and whatnot. And I think that um, for, as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but as I understand it, uh, Rashbaum was initially the counsel for Donna and Harvey. So they retained him under the guise of, hey, we could be targets of this investigation for murder of Dan Markell. So he represented them for a while. And then Charlie had some initial defense counsel that would true. And then Rashbaum rolled over and now is representing Charlie. So um, for my four states that I'm licensed in and, uh, and, I, and since we follow the same rules as pretty much all the other states, I just would never represent multiple members of a family that could have the police targeting them for murder charges. And so that, and the reason being, who does, who does Rashbaum zealously represent the interests of most? Is it mom and dad or is it of Charles? Because if Charles wants to f have any chance of getting a, a deal made, he's going to have to roll over on other people, right? So how is he going to roll over on somebody that Rashman is supposed to zealously represent? So Tim, if you could just tell me what you think of that, that angle. That's a great point. Never heard it before. Uh, Tim Jansen. That is a great point. And um, conflict attorney client privilege. As soon as he was representing the, the father and the mother in any capacity whatsoever, he has an attorney client privilege. His representation can never be changed. Um, and you're right. He, he's put into this dichotomy where his client's best interest may be flipping on his prior clients. Mm -hmm. He's got an unwaivable conflict. Right. Can't waive that conflict. Now it hasn't been brought up and we don't know if they've offered any kind of deal, but that is a problem. And Carl, this happens all the time. You get someone to call you on a phone. You talk to that person. You don't know who the person is. Next thing you find out that person was a victim in a, in an armed robbery case I had, and I had to withdraw. Right. First thing you do as a lawyer, you call the Florida Bar Hotline. This is what happened. What do I do? You have to immediately withdraw. And it's not intentional, but no. you have to give up the money, the clients, the case, because that's what the rules require. And that's happened many times. But some lawyers represent multiple people all the time and get them to sign the multi waiver representation, but they don't understand some cannot be waived. Some conflicts are not waivable and they right. get away with it. And uh, it's a, it's a problem. Right. Because, because what Tim and I are driving at and Amy, you'd agree with us is on this as well. I mean, there's a, it's, it's Supreme court case law. Defendants have a right, obviously a, a constitutional right to uh, effective assistance of counsel. 
And so there's also a, a case law that talks about how it's, it's conflict-free assistance of counsel. And, and the easiest way to bust case on appeal is to say your lawyer was ineffective. And so that's what I was concerned about. Mm-hmm. And I know, it, uh, Joel, it's either you or it might have been a mentor lawyer that asked the question of uh, the same issue and uh, to um, Georgia. And Georgia said, yeah, it's, I can't remember exactly what her words were. It was something effective. Yeah, that's sort of a, a troublesome issue. But she wouldn't go further into it. And, I, and, and that's why I'm bringing it out is because it was something that was in my head all of, all along. It's like, how can you roll over and represent multiple family members that could be targets of a murder prosecution? And you had attorney-client privilege with mom and dad, and then you roll over to do, do their son, Charles. And so what happens is, the um, like, for example, the way that worked, if we're representing somebody like Charlie, if Charlie says, hey, I want to cut a deal and I want to roll over on Wendy, mom, and dad, right there as an attorney, Tim and Amy, you, you can't you can't even have that conversation with them, right? right? right. You got to go, wait a minute, right. talk about, you're talking about another client of mine, even though you're not representing me anymore in active capacity, yeah. your loyalty still remains and continues on. And so I was just concerned about, is this going to be an appellate issue at some point on, on Charlie's uh, conviction that he's going to say, well, I, I had uh, a counsel that was uh, conflicted or something like that. And uh, so, anyway, it's just a concern of mine that um, that uh, I, I thought should have been flushed out beforehand. I, I think that's a really interesting point. Uh, Amy, go ahead with your response to that. And also, I was going to ask you about this, Amy. Uh, Catherine, uh, can Katie McBanawa claim exactly what Carl was just talking about, which is uh, ineffective counsel and appeal? But uh, oh, she will. You they will. They always do. Yeah, you're, and so that hey, that was my first point was you know you know if she was you know depending on who did the hiring et cetera et cetera, but it, it's funny that you say that um, because Carl because we had the same I kind of had the same issue with the Murdoch stuff and I really do now as well, hmm. but it, it it's very incestuous because you know Dick and Jim represented Paul before he was murdered. Um, and then, of course, you know, is now representing his father, who is accused of murdering him. Um, you know, we always had I was had a real issue with that, you know, but even now it's you know, with all of these different jurors, you know, involved and Eric and, um, you know, Eric Bland is representing some of the jurors and Joe McCall. It just it's all very incestuous. Um, and 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 I think as defense attorneys. Um, it really, I think everyone in the bar, you know, if you want to protect, um, you know, the, the verdict or you want to protect your appeal, you know, for on the defense side, you want to to try to make sure you have all of that stuff cleared out because I think, you know, just like everything else, it junks it up and messes it up and, and, and it just makes it seem icky and, you know, and that can really cloud, um, cloud what should be some clear justice one way or the other uh this is an interesting comment from anna marino uh, the irony here i love knowing that the very reason charlie had dan markell murdered was to get wendy out of tallahassee and back to miami and here he is sitting in a tallahassee jail for the rest of his pathetic life he hasn't been convicted yet but uh the possibility is definitely there um let me just bring this up uh, which, to be honest, uh, haven't looked at closely since uh, prior to the show. Narcissistic personality disorder. Once again, shout out to Fancy Fiction. This is off our Instagram page. Narcissistic personality disorder causes major problems in a marriage. This is an excerpt from Donna's email to her daughter, Wendy, who is also an unindicted co-conspirator 
Schefter referring to Dan Markell. Tim Jansen, someone earlier in the chat said, look, it's the audio and videotape and these emails that are going to sink the Adelsons. Is this strong enough evidence to eventually go after them or no? Well, of course, any any circuit. I've said this many times. Some of the hardest cases I had were strong circumstantial evidence cases and not direct testimony because you can cross-examine a witness about their testimony. But circumstantial evidence is really hard to cross-examine because then you're putting two, three, four, five pieces of a puzzle together. Four of them really are incriminating versus you get one witness and you can get them and they can, they can waffle, but they have enough to go forward. Uh, the question is, do they want to go forward? And the other thing is, wait, okay, wait a minute. Do we take a chance and going forward now and lose and then double jeopardy? We can never charge them again. Or do we go forward with this trial, see what comes out and then see then regroup after this trial and then see what we have to go against these other people. That would be probably the most consistent thing to do. Um, why would you want to indict Donna on the verge of this trial? It All it does is it, it, it causes the office to be splintered, Georgia to be, have to go into a first appearance. She needs to focus on this trial, get this conviction, and then regroup, see what they have, and they feel comfortable, charge the people. Um. Brianna says, would that be a public reprimand against Rashbaum? Carl, I mean, you brought up an interesting point, but what can be done about that, if anything? Yeah, because I'm not licensed in Florida, um, I'm active right now in Texas, and I have three other states. So I'll let Tim answer that one. Tim? Uh, I can tell you what's going to happen. If he gets convicted and he loses all of his appeals, he'll do what's called a 3.850, which is an ineffective assistance of counsel. He will then say... Well, I wanted to cooperate against my family, but my client talked me out of it and I didn't want to do it. So I want a new trial. And then the lawyer is going to and and the judges, unless you can prove that trial would have been different. Georgia would have to say, yeah, I offered a deal, but he didn't take it. Usually the bar doesn't get involved in conflicts unless you do it multiple, multiple times and you told then they could suspend you. But conflicts happen every day. It's only the good lawyers that recognize it and will turn money away instead of having a conflict in representation. And it's not easy to do. You always think in your mind, oh, that's not really a conflict. But you know what? You do. You err on the side of caution. So it costs you money, but you do the right thing. And it's hard. It's hard to do. Uh, CJ, love this comment. Wow, I feel so special. I love SDS Nation and you guys. I've been here since the beginning and I've watched it grow so much. Really incredible, as I like to say. Steal this line from the UFC fighter, Conor McGregor. We are not here to take part. We are here to take over, and we're going to get there eventually. We've been in true crime for less than a year, but thanks to an amazing community, we are uh, moving up quickly and uh, continue, uh, hopefully, to do that. And uh, can't wait for CrimeCon tomorrow. Um, We're going to – a couple more quick things, and then we will begin to wrap since, uh, as I always say, if these guys were charging me their billable hours – I would be broke. Um, one of the things here, let's take a look at this. Uh, let me get this comment off the screen here. Uh, Charlie Adelson, this is actually a pretty flattering photo of him these days. Um, let's just say what it is. He's uh, had he's put on the prison 20 pounds. This guy was once very fit. Uh, fancy fiction. She could be a little tough on Charlie. Charles, she posted photos of multiple chins that he now has. Um, Amy, how tough is it? 
um, as a criminal defense attorney to see your clients uh, who are in jail sort of deteriorate. Uh, this is what's going on with him right now. He doesn't look completely all there. Um, by the way, um, someone pointed out, I forget who who pointed this out, but I went and looked at it. And in the last uh, court hearing, Tim Jansen, I don't know if you picked up on this. Um, he appeared when the judge or an attorney said that Dan Markell was shot twice in the head. He appeared to say good under his breath. Oh, wow. um, a horrible thing. Um, if you know, that's people slowed it up and looked at it and that's what he appeared to be saying. But wow. what kind of toll does it take on this person, Amy Zimmerchek, uh, this Charles Adelson, um, sitting in that jail now knowing he's about to go uh, on trial for what could be his life? Well, it, it, you know, it, it, to answer the first part of the question, it, it is very difficult, um, you know, regardless of, of what people are charged with or, you know, whether or not they did it, et cetera, et cetera. We're all human beings and we're all better than the worst thing we've ever done. Um and so, you know, to see to see it happen to just any in any people, it, it it does, um, you know, it does it does take a toll. Um, uh, and especially, you know, I think it especially it's harder for people who have lived this this you know extravagant or privileged you know life, um, and then they get put into a position that they can't, um, control everything. Um, you know, and a lot of, I know a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, they're dirt bags. They don't deserve X, Y, and Z, but I'll tell you, it's still, it's still pretty hard to, to see people struggle with, with basic needs in, in facilities like that. Uh, CJ Wayne back in saying, I wish Charlie would start yapping. Um, Carl, you know, we talked about the witness list off the top. Um, are you expecting to see um, Donna and Harvey subpoenaed here and take the witness stand? I saw someone else in the chat say uh, they might mysteriously come down with an illness and be unable to testify. Um, if they're subpoenaed, they've got to be there, right? And do you think they will be? Uh, yeah, Tim, can you explain how that works if they're uh, out of the... Uh territory there the county or uh no judicial district yeah. how does that work out out of they can subpoena like, them anywhere in the state of florida without a okay. florida you gotta domesticate the subpoena with the governor and state but they can subpoena them anywhere in florida and they have to they have to appear right and they get immunity I mean, they get immunity for whatever they testify right hey that leads me to one other issue um if i could joel absolutely the, the um the whole issue about Florida has a area-wide prosecutor that's specifically designed to cover cases like this, where you have the the crime hap was planned in one part of the state and, and it was executed in another. So it's like, why wouldn't that have uh, office have handled this? And it's sort of like set this prosecution back from the get-go. And uh, maybe you could explain who would actually, if that office would have uh, taken on jurisdiction of this case, Tim, who actually would have been the prosecutors on the case? Would, would it, could it spill have been Georgia or would have been somebody at a centralized office like a, or, Orlando or something? Well, we have a statewide prosecutor office and they usually handle cases that go over two jurisdictions, multiple circuits. They do not typically do murder cases. Okay. Um, this case was originally, the FBI wanted this case to go federal. 
And I don't know what happened with Willie Meggs, but they decided to take it state. The feds wanted it to go federal and not go state. Um, if the statewide prosecutor's office took the case, Georgia would not be the prosecutor. Georgia has a lot more experience. The statewide prosecutors that I deal with here, they deal with Medicaid fraud, Medicare fraud, uh, healthcare fraud, and stuff like that. They will do a wiretap linking different jurisdictions for drugs, but I, I've not seen them in 30 years do a murder case. Okay. Uh, Tammy, by the way, I meant to bring this up. Carm's coming with me to Crime Con. We're going to strap her to the top of the car. Just kidding. She's coming. She's coming inside. Don't worry. Got the minivan. I'm taking the kids too. Might have to take two cars. Uh, love SDS Nation. Uh, Carm will hop on uh, and do some lives with us. Someone asked if she's all right. She's doing well. Good health. Thank God. And uh, she will hop on a bunch of lives and probably yell at me for some stuff uh, while we're there. KCL from Salt Lake City. Thinking of you, Ruth and Phil Markell on Praying for Justice. And that all who are responsible for Dan's murder will be prosecuted and convicted. Um, this has been a really interesting show. Uh, everyone brought up amazing points. Carl brought up that point about Rashbound that I did not know about, but you learn something new uh, every day. Um, I am not T-Pain says, don't worry, Joel has extra extra straps, so she will be safe and secure. Yes, she will. Um, Amy Zimmerchek, can't thank her enough. She is a, a trooper and an amazing criminal defense attorney uh, representing cra crazy cousin Eddie Smith, if I got the name right, after four hours of doing this. And uh, the new Murdoch Netflix series is is out. The three new episodes, I believe. But uh, STS is better than that. So watch this. But uh, Amy, bottom line, is Charlie getting convicted? And do any other Adelsons go down, in your opinion? I tell you, um, uh, you know, if they if they have the proof that that can convict him, um, you know, I think, and 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 they just present it correctly. You know, I, I, I think he will get convicted. Um, and, you know, I, I just don't know about the other ones. It, it, the more time passes, the less hope I get. <laughs> mm. uh, Cliff Frankenberger, love that name. Joel, do you have a station wagon with a paneling on the sides? I wish. I actually really wish I did have that. It would embarrass my kids. It would embarrass my wife. And I would love it. But uh, she would not go for that. We actually have the... Black on black on black on black uh, Chrysler Pacifica, which is actually not a bad looking car. Tim Jansen rolling his eyes. You know, Tim Jansen's rolling around in a Rolls Royce there in Tallahassee or something. Range uh, but Range Rover, same difference. Um, Lieutenant Colonel retired Carl Steinbeck. He is a nearly 30 year judge advocate for the U.S. Army Judge Advocate General Corps and a combat veteran. He served our nation. He is uh, an American hero uh he served the country he's now a uh criminal defense attorney that bears his name he's also the host of a youtube channel called jury trial mentor with his brother john steinbeck i need to get carl active in the ellen greenberg case because we need a pit bull prosecutor uh bottom line to you carl uh does charlie get convicted and will other adelson's fall as well like little dominoes Yes, you'll be convicted. I think it's going to be a real quick jury decision, just like in the Myrtle case. They'll probably be out an hour, maybe two hours at most. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of deliberation going on because I think it's going to be a slam dunk. I think Georgia and uh, uh, Sarah Dugan are going to do awesome jo job for uh, justice in this case. And I think that they're going to continue to unleash justice against the evildoers, against uh, Dan Markell and the whole Markell family.
and I think there will be more arrests. And they, the timing of it may be debatable, but I think they are coming uh, down the pike. And I think once Charlie gets convicted, he's going to be just like Katie. He's going to be clamoring and saying, how in the world did I do this for Wendy? There's no way I'm doing life for Wendy. And she's out there uh, living it up. And uh, so th- there's going to be a lot of twists and turns, like I say, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be quite, quite revealing. And uh, and I think ultimately justice will happen because I know Georgia, uh, I can tell from Georgia and uh, Sarah that they, they do want to go after more Adelsons. And so I think they're just trying to get the clearance for Jack and Jackson is let's just do one at a time. Let's have patience. But uh, they're going to they're going to trip over themselves and they're going to set themselves up uh, just like they've been doing so far. Because I think they want to uh, also have that motive because remember how the Adelsons looked at Tallahassee is, uh, is sort of like a bumbling kick uh, town of sorts, and they thought they could outsmart them. So I, I think they, that's in the back of their minds that, you know what, they've outsmarted us to this date or so they think, but we're going to have the final say. And I think that's going to be justice for the Markells. Tim Jansen, I think that's a good point. The Adelsons kind of, uh, I don't know. Uh, throwing shade at Tallahassee, kind of implying that you guys are country bumpkins. And maybe Carl is right that uh, George is not going to like that too much. By the way, hey, Mona says, not just best guest, extreme best guest today. Thanks, Joel, for this show. Uh, love that. Um, Tim Jansen, you know him well. He is the famed Tallahassee defense attorney. Uh, R. Timothy Jansen, uh, the law firm bears his name. He's done it all, criminal, civil, litigation, et cetera, et cetera. He also spent five years as a federal prosecutor, and no one knows Tallahassee uh, the way Tim Jansen does. Tim, before we get to your final thoughts, I forgot to bring this one up real quick. This is the final uh, one that uh, Fancy had on Instagram, Uh, and this comes from uh, the Missouri tapes, I believe. That's what Katie agreed with you. Harvey is literally asking of Charlie discussing the FBI bump operation with his son. Uh, This seems very incriminating to me, Tim Jansen. I'm no attorney, but this seems like solid evidence. Um, Does Charlie get convicted and do any of the other Adelsons fall? Well, first of all, I want the the viewers to know that Carl and I are friends. We don't take anything personal. And I know there's been some comments and Carl and I were fighting tonight. Um, and the other thing about Tallahassee, yes, I think people do look at Tallahassee, people in South Florida, think we're a bunch of country bumpkins up here. It's no coincidence, right, that they did not hire any lawyers from Tallahassee, even though the case is in Tallahassee, the jurors are from Tallahassee, and the Tallahassee lawyers know all the judges. But they bring Miami lawyers because they believe the Miami lawyers know better about Tallahassee than we do. Um and I'm sorry I'm not making crime con. I got a big case I got to go to. But we are. My offer, we're going to have live shows from my office when you come up on Markel. Hopefully, Fancy Fiction. Carl, you're welcome to come. Yeah, Carl, come on out. And Amy, can, you're welcome to. And uh, do some live shows. And to Ruth, I hope, I hope justice is served for you and for your family. And I, I hope, like Carl, I hope everything goes right and the jurors see what happened here in this horrible crime by the way um the or someone just asked the earlier show was uh about canines because yoda took down danello cavacante that pa fugitive after 14 days so we honored uh canines what's your pup's name amy this one is finn and he will take 
and he will take down anything that can be eaten. <laughs> I love it. I love Finn. And uh, there's a billboard right by my house now when I get on uh, I-95 that says, it's a chewy billboard, and it says, who else would you let lick your face? No, would you let Tim Jansen lick your face? No, but you'd let Windsor lick your face. So, Windsor, uh, yay, Windsor! That's a great point. I'm um, not letting anyone else, but Ethel, my boxer, can lick my face anytime. It's, by the way, she has the longest tongue in America. It's crazy. Um, it says right here, Tim Jansen is the best of the guests, best of the best guests. Amy and Carl are pretty damn good, too. Go Carl from Bonnie Lopez. Need to continue. We need to continue this energy for justice for Danny Markell. Yes, we do. Special shout out again to Ruth Markell, who is watching. Ryan B says, great panel. Uh, love it. Um, Andy School telling us about her brown station wagon. Again, a reminder, tomorrow, no live show because we are traveling to CrimeCon. We're going to re-air a very old episode with Carol Baskin of Tiger King. But what she had to say about my mom was pretty interesting in terms of being an endangered species, just like tigers. Uh, Carm kind of, uh, I don't know if she loved it or hated it, but uh, I'll ask her when I see her. Uh, we're going to strap Carm on to the top of the minivan, take her to Orlando, and then we're live Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern, with Detective Phil Waters and FBI's Scott Duffy. And then throughout CrimeCon, we'll try to do a bunch of live interviews. Maybe I'll get Nancy Grace. Maybe I'll get Josh Mankiewicz from Dateline. You'll have to tune in to see. Until then, love you, America. Love you, Tallahassee. Love you, South Carolina. Love you, Texas. Love you, the Republic of Ireland. Tasmania. We have viewers in Tasmania and everyone, everywhere near and far between. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business is commerce platform, keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.